everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again at the Practicology Podcast. We welcome you back to our first post-summer challenge episode. Uh, We hope you enjoyed that through the month of August. That's Psalm 103 as well ingrained into your mind. And uh, now you're ready to enjoy some more podcasts with the Practicology Podcast. We appreciate you joining us where we are trying to help you integrate your faith into every part of your life, including your school life. As we welcome you back to the Practicology Podcast, some of you are likely hearing another welcome back these days. Welcome back to campus. Welcome back to classes. Welcome back to your lovely teachers and principals. And I think Mike has something especially in store for you folks today. Yeah, I've been thinking back to my college days, and I have to think back a bit longer than I'd like to uh, admit, actually, 20 plus years now. Wow. And I find myself praying a little bit for you, Christian youth today, heading back to school and college or university, that your faith will survive and even thrive in this environment in which many sadly lose their faith or severely compromise it. Yeah, it's true. How would you say that you survived it, Mike? Well, it's it's not just a theoretical question for me, Matthew, as if you know there never was a danger that I might not survive. I, I definitely felt pressure at college, but for me, it was more the temptation of pleasure. I heard what the other guys were seeing and doing. I saw what was going on on campus, and I felt a tremendous inner desire to experience the same pleasures. And I know it was the Lord who brought me through, but I'm asking myself, how did he do it? How did he rescue me? Well, I think a full answer to that would require a few episodes, and maybe that would be something we do someday, Matthew, how, you know, talk about how our faith can survive college. But one of the things was he he had me stay with a wonderful Christian family during college, and I don't know where I'd be without that. But one of the big things he used to preserve me was this sense that he instilled in me of, sin isn't good enough for me. I'm too special to sin. Now, I know that last phrase might come across the wrong way to you. It might sound really prideful, but I can assure you it isn't, as I'll explain. It also doesn't mean I never sinned. I fell again and again and again, not so much in my visible outward life, but in my private life, my hidden life. When I say God brought me through by the sense of sin not being good enough for me, the sense that I was too special to sin, I mean that time and time again, I woke up with my face in the piggy feeding trough of sin, felt awful to the guts of my being, told God I was sorry for sinning again, and I headed back to my heavenly father thinking, that life of sin is not for me. That's not where I belong. I'm too special for that stuff. In other words, I felt a huge inner appetite for sin, indulged as much as I could get away with without too many people noticing, but ultimately... I kept going back and back to God because I knew I couldn't waste my life in the muck. And in this episode, I want to help others cultivate that sense by giving you a slogan to say and explaining what it means. The slogan is, I'm too special to sin. And the Lord can use this to preserve you through times of great temptation. It sounds really interesting, Mike. I think this is going to be helpful. I'm very thankful that you are not spending and wasting your life in the muck Uh, But what you said also is striking to me because of how different it is from an unspoken belief that we do sometimes carry around within us. As believers, we know we're not supposed to sin, but as you've reminded us, we experience the temptation to sin as enticing and powerful as others do at times. And we have this unspoken belief inside of us that says, 
God's withholding something good from me. This thing that he calls sin, it's actually immensely pleasurable, isn't it? It's, it's this wonderful thing, but because I'm a Christian, God isn't letting me enjoying it. He's withholding something good from me, we think. Yes, yes. And if that unspoken belief goes unchallenged, we may manage to say no to sin a time or two, but we'll be miserable in the process. Everyone else will be watching this funny movie, laughing their heads off, having a great time, and we'll be shut up in our rooms thinking, I can't watch it and join in because some of the humor and scenes are immoral. Unbelievers get all the good stuff. This is so boring being a faithful Christian. But what if the truth was completely opposite? What if the truth was that lewd movie isn't good enough for me? It's a waste for me. I've been called to belong to something better. Well, if that was true, Mike, that would make a world of difference. So what you need to tell us now, is that true? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Matthew, can you read 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 20 for us? And as you're flipping there, I'll just get the context. In the context, Paul is telling the Corinthians why they shouldn't commit fornication with prostitutes. And as we'll see, his strategy is not to tell them, listen up, we're Christians, and there are certain pleasures too enjoyable for us. Our God wants to limit us from such amazing experiences. Rather, Paul's strategy is to say, listen, you guys are too special for that. You guys are too special for that. For you to indulge in such practices would be beneath you. Good way to frame it. All right, here's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 20. All things are lawful for me. That was likely a, a, a Corinthian slogan that was common in their culture. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, they said. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will raise also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Thanks, Matthew. And to our listeners, I just ask, did you hear Paul's approach there? Imagine if he'd taken a different approach, the what we could call the law approach. He would have put on his best killjoy face, crossed his arms and said, you Christians shouldn't do that because that's not allowed. It's off limits for you. And of course, sexual immorality is not allowed for Christians. But the fact that it's not allowed is not the highest thing Christianity appeals to, to keep you from doing it. No, Paul doesn't take a law approach. He takes a grace approach, a gospel approach. When we feel that burning temptation to experience God's gift of sex outside of the boundaries God has drawn up for it, Paul wants us to say, I'm too special for that. The law approach teaches us to say, I can't do that because I'm not allowed to. The gospel approach teaches us to say, I don't have to do that because I've been given something better. 
That sounds good. It's good and true. And I agree with what you're saying. And it fits generally with the passage I read at least. But uh, do you got some specifics in mind in the text there, Mike, so we can see for ourselves and really own this truth in our hearts and put it into practice? Yes, I want to point to three specifics, Matthew, and the truth is we could point to many more in this passage. But but before I, I point to those three, uh, let me do a little bit more setup first. I love the little catechism that says... Here you go. Back, you're back to the catechism again. <laughs> yes, yes. And here's the question. What is our only hope in life and death? Answer, that we are not our own, but belong to God. Um, I find so much comfort in that little statement. I wouldn't want to face any day, especially the day of my death, without knowing that hope and comfort. I belong to God. Now, belonging to God is not just our hope when facing death. It's also our power when facing temptation. It is this sense of belonging to God that teaches us to walk away from sinful pleasure saying, I'm too special for that. A few years ago, I came across a sentence by John Stott, and it's been a great help to me. I've never forgotten it. I often use this when I'm praying. And and he's speaking about our bodies from this passage in 1 Corinthians 6. And this is what he said. He said, our bodies belong to God three times over, by creation, by redemption, and by indwelling. So this is where we get specific with the Bible text, Matthew. And this will anchor this slogan that helps us fight sin, this slogan of I'm too special to sin. So we belong to God first. First, we belong to God by creation. Speaking of slogans, in verse 13, Paul quotes a slogan the Corinthians were fond of, as you pointed out, Matthew. He says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Likely some of these people were saying that slogan to justify their sexual sin. What they really mean is sex is meant for the body and the body is meant for sex. In other words, Our bodies are just bodies and appetites. It doesn't really matter what we do with them. No big deal if we satisfy our inner urges through someone we're not married to. But Paul, of course, corrects them. He says, verse 13, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Look at that word meant. Our bodies are meant for the Lord. Paul is talking about creation here. He says in Romans 11 verse 36 that all things are from God, through God, and to God. In other words, we're made by God, through God, and for God. And here in 1 Corinthians 6, it's the same. You were made for God. Mike, I am thrilled to know that you also have been enlightened by John Stott. That's encouraging to me. And I guess from what you said, we could summarize this first point like this. I wasn't made for sin. I was made for the Lord. Or in the slogan that you have used, I'm too special to sin because of creation. Exactly. I I hesitate to mention this, but in the times we live in, I think it's appropriate. Uh, Just to go back to my college days, I remember walking the halls and often hearing this song being played, I'll reference the lyrics as little as possible, just enough to make the point I'm trying to make. It was basically a guy trying to convince a girl to commit fornication with him because humans are nothing but mammals. I mean, do do you hear that? I'm telling you, if you ever needed proof that sometimes men say the wrong things to women, here you go. Uh, He's seducing by reducing. He, He reduces her to an animal and the gift of sex to mating and expects that to draw her to him. Meanwhile, where has he gone wrong? He's gone wrong with creation. You and me ain't mammals. No, 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 no. 
we say, I'm too special to satisfy my sexual desires in this setting, in this place. And so is that person I'm drawn towards right now. We're both too special to sin because we were made by God in his image, made not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord Jesus himself. Yeah, and that's the reason why this slogan, I'm too special to sin, is not pride or a case of showing your privilege, Mike. You're not elevating yourself above all the less fortunate human beings around you. This is a truth that applies equally to all people, believers and unbelievers alike. Yeah, excellent point. It, it should grieve us to see our friends cheapening themselves with these sins. We, mm. we look at them through teary eyes and think, you're too special to sin too because you too were made for something greater than this. Yeah, it is honestly very sad to see how the world has abused and misused, misused God's good gifts and how they harm themselves in the process and cheapen themselves, as you've said. But I think you've indicated now that your next two points apply specifically to believers, to Christians, correct? Yes, the second one is this. I belong to God by redemption. So now I'm in verse 19b and verse 20. It says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. That's redemption. Only the Christian can say this. Not only do I belong to God because he made me, I also belong to him because he purchased me. He bought me back. He redeemed me. This is incredible. God should never have had to buy me back. I was already his because of creation. But we committed treason, we rebelled and went to the enemy's side. The only way God could have us back is if he himself paid the price of redemption. And this he did in the person of his son. We have been redeemed, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 1, redeemed not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. It's a lovely text. Thank you. And so again, Mike, what you're saying when we're faced with temptation, we can say, I'm too special to sin. I belong to someone better. I belong to him because he made me and because he loved me and valued me so much that he was willing to give his life to have me back with him. He's redeemed me. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to the third point. We belong to God by creation, redemption, and by indwelling. Because we've been bought with a price, our bodies are now a temple. Listen again to verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So God the Father made me. God the Father gave God the Son to die for me. And now God the Father has given God the Holy Spirit to indwell me and make me his dwelling place. And because the Father, Son, and Spirit mutually indwell each other, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in me means, as many other verses in the Bible bear out, that all three persons of the Holy Trinity live inside of me, which enables me to say to sin, I'm sorry, sin, but I'm too special for you. Andy Nacelli says of this third point, he says, this theology is as practical as it gets. It is unthinkable to pursue immoral sex in the most holy place of the temple. And I'll just add here, I don't even think Eli's sons would have done that, surely. Back to Nacelli's quote, he says, but now, Paul argues, your physical body is the most holy place, so believers must not defile it. They must keep it pure, for it is a sacred place. Yeah, it's a powerful truth and one that we need to listen to. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Andy Nacelli said, 
they must not, we must not defile it. But again, as you've been teaching us earlier, Mike, we could reword that as well to say we don't have to defile it in that way. Now, Mike, someone may say to you, hey, Mike, you can say these things. E easy for you now. Um, you're a married guy and you're past that stage of your college days. So uh, that's just easy talk coming from you now. What would you say back to them? <laughs> uh, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, life has changed for me. And I would say my temptations have changed a little bit. Uh, that's being said, though, some of those uh, college age temptations are, are probably never going to be totally removed from me, sadly. But but yeah, I would just respond and say, well, here I am facing middle age temptations, and I'm still able to use the same truth. You know, as, as more middle-aged people, Matthew, uh, maybe some of us are tempted towards just complacency. Maybe we've had some success and, and it's so easy just to slip into a complacent, comfortable Christian life, maybe entertain thoughts of pride or spiritual success and, and sort of rest in our laurels. And, and I, I just keep preaching this to myself. Um, no, I don't need to commit middle-age sins. I belong to God. I'm too special for that. I'm too special to waste these middle age years. You know, this truth means just as much to me now as, as it ever did. And I find myself being prompted in prayer by this. Often when I pray, I'm, I'm helped to, to begin a conversation with the Father by, by just thanking Him. Thank you, Father, that you own me by creation. Thank you that you own me by redemption. And thank you that you own me because of indwelling and help me to sense how special this calling is that you've given me and not waste my life back in the piggy feeding trough of sin. So let God's spirit saturate your heart with these three truths and instill within you a deep sense that you are too special to waste your life in a life of sin. That's great, Mike. Thank you so much. In fact, I just want to take one more moment to pray particularly for our Christian friends as they are returning to school uh, just before we bid you all farewell from this episode. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness. And again, we pray that you will preserve our convictions of your goodness, that you're not withholding good things for us. Your plans for us are always good. Uh, the way you have designed and orchestrated our lives is for our blessing. And we do pray for your preserving grace in each of our lives. And we think particularly now of so many young people heading back to school, and for some of them, this will be heading right into the face of temptation in a stronger way. For some of them, it'll be in a new way, and we pray that you will preserve them. We pray that you'll help them to be in your word, building themselves up in their most holy faith, and that they will grasp this truth that Mike has shared with us today from 1 Corinthians 6, that it will be meaningful to them, uh, that they will recognize the value that you have placed upon their bodies and how their bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit and for the Lord and that they have the freedom of serving you in their bodies and the freedom to say no to sin with the full confidence that your will is best. And so we pray for their encouragement and for a world that is so lost and corrupted in its defilement, we pray for your mercy and that people will be convicted of their sin and will realize their need of a Savior 
and that what you have is better for them. We ask for this in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mike, thanks so much for your words today. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in again to the Practicology Podcast. We pray it is a blessing to you, and we hope you join us again next time. Yeah, have fun hitting the books, all you students, and God bless. God bless.